Welcome to Work in Progress, the podcast for everyone who wants to make space in their lives for doing what they love, be it a passion project or a career. Hello and welcome to Work in Progress. I'm Mona. And I'm Eva. And today we are talking to... <laughs> Eva just burst out laughing. No. Now, is that too enthusiastic, Eva? No, 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 it was great. <laughs> On today's episode, we're talking to Ruth McGilb, who's a digital marketer and who's also a blogger with a keen interest in ethical and sustainable fashion. In fact, Ruth won Scottish Blogger of the Year Award in 2017. And so we were really interested in hearing how she got to that point and how you win Blogger of the Year. So (laughs) that was um, a part of our conversation, but the main part of our chat really consisted of asking Ruth about sustainable and ethical fashion, which she's really, really interested in. And um, it was sort of interesting to find out how she found her way into that topic. She was always keenly interested in fashion and I think even tried herself to become a designer, but then kind of realized that maybe that might not be for her. And um, I think it's fair to say that she's doing quite a bit of activism in that space rather than you know just talking about it she really gets involved with charities and movements to really drive forward the cause of ethical fashion and to make people more aware of um, issues in the fashion industry so it was really fascinating to speak to her about this topic because you know it's an area that many people don't really think or talk about Um, our lives if we're into fashion are very much dominated by you know trying to have another outfit every day and um, trying to have as many clothes as possible and as cheap as possible. And defaulting to the high street because that's the easiest and most convenient place to go or to the big online retailers. Exactly. And I think for so many of us, you know, fashion is also the symbol of trying to express our personalities. So, you know, we want to, yeah, express who we are with it. But very often that means just defaulting, as you said, to buying those cheap sort of three pound shirts if we can get them (laughs) um and um yeah so Ruth is really active in the space to make us more aware of who made our clothes and under which circumstances so that was really interesting in terms of um paying more attention to that and how we could maybe take small steps to become ethical shoppers which kind of ties in with our last interview with um Stephanie from the Ecolarder who also talked about how to become a more ethical and sustainable shopper, but in terms of zero waste. So it was kind of a nice complement to that. And we also had um, a nice chat about, you know, some of the big brands they're trying to position themselves at the moment in terms of, you know, what they're doing for or rather against climate change and um, for fairer working conditions. And as a consumer, it's sometimes really hard to, you know, really understand whether or not those endeavors are genuine definitely or whether they're just greenwash yeah Yeah. Yeah. so we had a really nice long chat about that and Ruth had some really good tips on how we could inform ourselves and how we can make sure that you know those big brands are being honest and transparent and how to you know hold them to account so that was really interesting for me, especially, I mean, I, you, Mona, you've, you know, you're the charity shopping queen <laughs> and you've been it's for a, a long it's time. It's a crown I, I have, have great pride in. <laughs> but I have to say for me, it's a topic that um, has, uh, yeah, that has come up for me only recently, really. Um, 
you know, I work in the environmental space, I work on climate change, but for some reason I never thought about fashion or fair fashion, you know, it just never really clicked. And um, I've only sort of become conscious of it over the last year or so and, you know, have made an active um, effort to become a more ethical consumer in terms of fashion. So for me, it was a really inspiring interview in terms of how to yeah, how to go about it, really, because, you know, sometimes you just think, oh, God, now I have to buy all these super expensive clothes. Um, but really, there's small things that you can do to become a more ethical shopper. Is and that have fun along the way. Yeah, yeah. Is that sort of why you got into charity shopping or not really? Yeah, uh, not so much the kind of um, sustainable element of it. In fairness, it was more to do with being like a very poor student, <laughs> but also just the fun of it and like mm. the kind of thrill of the chase and like finding something that isn't like the Zara dress that everyone else is gonna have mm. but um yeah I mean to me I don't buy very many new clothes mm-hmm. and definitely I feel better about that like as a like I feel good about that as a consumer that I'm not kind of constantly buying cheap textiles yeah that are contributing to potentially poor working conditions in third world countries so um yeah it kind of has evolved into something that I now I'm quite more conscious of but Mm. um yeah I agree and we should also say that Ruth always looks immaculate so Mm -hmm. it was amazing to kind of see kind of how she pulls together outfits and uh she recommends some affordable brands that are still doing wonderful things in this space as well so definitely listen in for some good tips if you're into that kind of thing yes Um, And I think from my perspective as well, one of the things that it was great to hear Ruth talk about was, I guess, in a sense, the kind of slow burn, I think it's fair to say, in terms of her evolution as a blogger. And um, she's obviously um, gained a lot of recognition and uh, she has a very kind of uh, specialist kind of um, perspective at the moment. But it was interesting to hear about her kind of very early days of blogging. And I think she confesses to maybe being a little bit kind of uh, broader in her initial scope and uh, maybe even being a bit embarrassed by some of the things she initially put out there, which I think rings true for all of us. Mm, I think blogging is quite a self-conscious thing to do and Mm. it can, I think some of us can feel quite sort of, um, I don't know, reticent about putting your voice out there and wondering what it is you really have to say and whether anyone's actually paying any attention. Mm -hmm. And so Ruth was quite frank about, you know, the fact that she's been blogger for over 10 years Um, And just how that has evolved, I suppose, in the age of Instagram as well, where there's a kind of constant demand for content Mm -hmm. and how that has shaped the way in which she engages with her audience on social media. And I think it's fair to say she now um, says she feels like she will only put content out there that's high quality and Mm -hmm. meaningful and when she feels like she has something to say rather than just chasing numbers and mindlessly trying to grow her follower count. So that was really interesting to hear about in this age of kind of Instagram influencers Mm. and, you know... uh, follow unfollow kind of mentality totally I mean and you know you and I we both have Instagram accounts for our side projects and I mean I definitely found there's that immense pressure to constantly put content out there otherwise you know you lose followers or people can't find you and at the end of the day it becomes this pressure that every day you wake up and it's like oh god what, what can I say today and um, it was interesting to hear that, you know, we're not the only one struggling with that. Someone who actually has a lot more followers <laughs> can have potentially have the yeah. same issue. <laughs> so that was really, really interesting. And um, yeah, so let's just dive into it and hear what Ruth has to say. 
Hello, today we're with Ruth McGilp, an Edinburgh-based blogger and digital marketer who has a keen interest in ethical and sustainable fashion. In 2016, Ruth won the Scottish Blogger of the Year Award and in 2017 was a runner-up in Sustainable Online Business of the Year at the Herald Fashion Awards. Ruth currently works full-time as a brand storyteller at LS Productions, a UK-wide service production company that produces fashion campaigns and editorials, TV commercials, music videos, and other advertising campaigns. And Ruth is a part of the volunteer team at Fashion Revolution Scotland, the local arm of the global ethical fashion charity, where she helps manage social media and PR promoting events and initiatives. Oh my god, just reading all of that <laughs> kind of made me feel like you're very busy. <laughs> busy. <laughs> so, is it fair to say you're wearing a lot of different hats? Yes, but I feel they do link together. Mm. Basically, the thing they have in common is that I'm always on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Square eyes. <laughs> and all the hats are obviously incredibly stylish at all times. Of course. <laughs> yeah, so we've been following you on Instagram for a while, and we're always just like, oh my god. Everything she wears is so amazing. <laughs> can we briefly actually talk about your outfit today, if that's okay? Yeah, oh, we I'm loving can. the dungarees. Yes. So this is a really cool brand, actually, um, based in Brighton, called Emperor's Old Clothes. Oh. And basically, they have a load of fabrics that are like dead stock or vintage fabrics. You pick your fabric, you pick the shape, so dungarees, dress, you know, whatever you give them your measurements and they just make it for you. Wow. So it's, That's amazing. So it's totally unique, you know. Um, That's beautiful. That's really so cool. cool. They have a wee shop in Brighton as well, but um, yeah, check them out online because they're a really cool bunch. So for the benefit of everyone listening, Ruth's wearing a very beautiful pair of grey and kind of rust-coloured dungarees, would you say? Nice description. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mona's definitely better at describing fashion yeah. than me. No, they, yeah, they're really cool. So Emperor's Old Clothes. Yes. Cool. Okay. We'll link that in the show notes, actually, for anyone who's interested. So coming back to, well, you, <laughs> um, perhaps we can kind of just start a little bit at the beginnings obviously fashion is a really big um, passion of yours especially sustainable fashion and ethical fashion but so how how did you get interested was it kind of something that you were always interested in or was there something that sparked your interest I really don't think there was one thing that sparked my interest I've just always loved fashion you know when I was a little kid I loved drawing clothes and I was always obsessed with the idea of living in Paris and going to Paris Fashion Week <laughs> going to New York and going to the Met Gala and things mm. like that and the kind of glamour of it all and then you know later on learning about that there were different careers that weren't just being a designer because when I did do that in school I realised I couldn't sew at all yeah. so <laughs> maybe that wasn't so suited to me um and then, obviously, the advent of kind of social media and blogging um, really kind of amped up um, the ability to communicate fashion in different ways. Mm. Um, and I think I think fashion, you know, despite everything um, wrong with the industry, um, which I'm sure we'll go into, um, it's still this amazing world that is full of imagination and creativity mm. and allows people to express themselves in so many different ways and it, you know it's truly an art form mm. in that sense mm-hmm. so yeah I'm, I'm still kind of thrilled by it despite yeah. everything I'm sure Mona you can relate to that because you're really interested in, in text, textiles and patterns yeah and, and like I that. love how you describe that Ruth as well because I think that sometimes there's a sense that um that fashion is 
just purely aesthetic, like it's, it's quite frivolous or, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have a lot of meaning behind it. But as you say, like, it is definitely an art form and we have amazing designers in the UK as well who kind of embody like incredible concepts through clothes as well so it's nice to kind of hear hear it described in that more kind of yeah and I, I think I mean it frustrates me when people don't take fashion seriously and they do see it as frivolous um, or superficial because I mean not only is it this incredible art form not only is it something that we all interact with every day we you know we all get dressed every day that's mm. what mm-hmm. we all have in common mm. yeah. um, but it's also like a huge business it employs yeah. millions yeah. of people it brings so much money to the UK economy. Um, so, yeah, it frustrates me when it's not taken seriously by, say, politicians, um, etc. So I think also, I mean, so I work in the environmental sector, and it's just, I mean, it has such complex supply chains as well. And I think a lot yeah. of people aren't really aware of that, that, you know, at the end of every t-shirt or whatever well if it's made of cotton there's probably a cotton plantation or plant and someone who has to pick that cotton and um, process it and so on and so forth so I think nowadays people are really attached from how much work goes into creating garments I mean apart from the design itself yeah I mean fashion is probably one of the most manual labor intensive um, kind of consumer product industries Mm. that there is I can't even think of the statistical numbers Mm. right now but people don't realize that despite all the new technology it still takes a pair of hands and a needle and thread Mm. to make your clothes you know Mm, that's still what it takes um yeah i mean there's 3d printing and things like that that may eventually take over but for now that's still what it takes Um, yeah and just when you talked about a kind of how you got into it so you actually tried you were really interested in that kind mm. of manual aspect the actual sewing and designing yeah so sewing and designing (laughs) that's probably not the right way to go yeah (laughs) but I was so bad at that honestly (laughs) so I admire like anyone that can do that because I'm just I think stuff like that gives you a real appreciation for what's actually involved um rather than when you just you know go to well, well we'll talk about our culture on fashion in a bit but you know rather than mm-hmm. going to H&M or Primark and just taking a t-shirt for three quid mm-hmm. um but anyway let's get into that a little bit um later so you just mentioned you really started getting into blogging as well about fashion was that something um I mean were you sort of when you started blogging about that was it purely about sort of outfits or was it kind of approaching it from this more you know designers that you liked or what you were wearing because I know there's this trend this outfit of the day a lot of people do that on Instagram or on blogs was it kind of that kind of approach or well I think it was a probably about like 2008 that like blogging kind of blew up Mm. I don't know if you remember Susie Bubble I mean she's huge now but she had this blog where she just wrote like every day or something about what she was wearing in Mm. the fashion industry and I was just totally obsessed by her Um, but I don't think Instagram was around then no 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 no. so it was very much writing and and words like um, so and then it became more about people's everyday lives and what Mm. they were doing and um, their relationships and their hobbies and I thought that was really cool because you know it kind of harked back to the days of like Tumblr and mm. MySpace and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I always thought that was really cool. And no, I, I definitely wasn't just about fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wrote about like my life and what I was doing. And oh, wow. um, do you I remember was, your first blog post, first ever? I don't. I probably deleted it. <laughs> 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 probably full of spelling mistakes. But yeah, it was very cringy back then. It was very much like here's like my lunch. 
Yeah. But <laughs> I sometimes, I mean, I have a, um, like, a how to become a more ethical consumer generally blog. I mean, I've not blogged much on it, but I find you have to kind of relate, like, personal stuff for people to, you know, to get their attention and to also relate so they can relate to their lives. But on the other hand, then when you read it back, you're just like, who gives a shit about, you know, what yeah. I do? But I think oversharing is definitely a thing that you, like, fall into. And mm. I, like, definitely overshared. Um, I'm, I like oversharing I think, when it's other people. I think too. it's, like, a push and pull because I think you're always going to look back on what you've shared with the entire world, mm. exist on the internet, and feel a bit uncomfortable. I don't know. Mm. Maybe I'm just, like, mm. a bit less of a confident person, but... Um, I think it's good to hold things back for your own real-life relationships, too. I think that's very healthy. Yeah. 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 But as you say, it's getting that balance right, because I think most of us, if you think of the kind of um, the people that you follow or the blogs that you most connect to, there is that personal, Mm. you know, we all look for that human connection, and we kind of, the reason why we keep going back is because we feel that sort of a personal connection to someone's content rather than just because yeah. they're sharing generally interesting stuff but then you might be going to other news outlets or, or whatever for that kind of information so it's I think it's a really difficult balancing act for people to strike definitely mm, yeah. yeah yeah I think Instagram and kind of online world generally is kind of in flux at the moment with that because there are so many influencers who are doing this as their like full-time career mm. making money from mm-hmm. it you know and at the same time have this audience who want to connect with them on that personal level. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely, yeah, striking a balance. Yeah. And um, in terms of, uh, well, your own blog, um, did you, so you said your first blog post was in 2008, was that? Probably, probably around, around that time. And, well, now it's 2019, so you've been doing it for a really <laughs> long time. Did it take you a while to find, like, your tribe on the internet or your your niche definitely yeah um it was probably only recently in the past couple of years that I've really kind of honed in on what I am passionate and knowledgeable enough about to like create that real quality of content rather than just quantity like firing it out there Mm. um so the current blog I have I started in 2015 with a friend actually and it was like we were like a kind of duo Mm. and we just used to do things like go to kind of blogger events and review them and go and eat at new restaurants and review them and things like that um then when she kind of left that little duo um I just kept writing on that same platform and then later turned it into just this eponymous thing that's just my name Ruth Metkilp and um just wrote about the things that I'm interested in which more and more is just ethical fashion Mm. um so yeah, it took me a while to find that, um, you know. Yeah, so that's been running for four years, wow. and only now am I like, yeah, I'm pretty confident with that. <laughs> that's so cool, though. Yeah, and do you ever feel that pressure? Because you know, I'm just asking because I have this blog, and sometimes I'm like, oh my god, I'm posted. <laughs> I think I used to, but like yeah. now that Instagram's taken over, I mean, right. I definitely feel pressure to Instagram. Yeah, I don't feel pressure to blog anymore. Only if I'm like. Um, under a deadline from a brand, for example, mm-hmm. do I feel that pressure? Yeah. I probably blog about once a month now. Oh, really? Okay. But I have the same amount of yeah. uh, audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is quite interesting. Oh, amazing. So you've got the really loyal... Yeah. 
um, fans. I don't know. Well, I think it's just... Readers. <laughs> Sorry. I think, yeah, it's the same people. Yeah, it's like yeah. people want to see how what you're doing. And, yeah, 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 totally. And do you find that the people who engage with your content are people already, like, within the fashion world or people with an interest broadly in sustainability? Like, what would you say you're kind of... You're yeah. following... What's the Venn diagram? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I don't know. I probably need to do a bit of analysis on that. Yeah. That's what a marketer would do and I would do in my real job <laughs> is analyse, you know, who, mm. who your audience should be and, you know, who you're connecting with. But honestly, it's probably just a mix of, like, my friends and people who followed me back in the day, like the kind of blogging community, mm. which is kind of dying now, which is a shame. <laughs> and then, you know, ethical fashion people yeah. as well. Mm. Um, so it's probably a big mix, but yeah, I should probably look into that and see because I'm quite curious now. <laughs> um, yeah, so one thing I just before maybe moving on to sustainable fashion mm-hmm. and ethical fashion. So you won the Scottish Blogger of the Year award mm-hmm. in 2017. I mean, that's quite a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely <laughs> felt like a big thing at the time. Yeah. And I definitely felt a shift after that happened of like people... Uh, of brands wanting to work with me, yeah. which is obviously like, yes, yeah. free shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't swear, I don't know. No, no, um, you can, it's fine. <laughs> but so, sorry, just going back to that for a second. Mm-hmm. So, but um, do, would you, I mean, you know, winning Blogger of the Year and, you know, being, obviously being a blogger, but mm. you, would you, you don't really consider that your main career in a way? No, no. Um, I think for a while it really, really helped my career because I was freelancing. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I was doing freelance digital marketing. So Mm -hmm. basically what that meant was like running people's social media accounts and websites, um, which I did for a couple of years. So obviously kind of blogging alongside that kind of helped because it helped me promote that service. Mm -hmm. Um, However, now I work full time since September. I've been working full time. um, So it doesn't really serve that purpose for me anymore. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to promote any freelance work because I just don't have time to take yeah, on any freelance yeah, work course, um, yeah. it's more yeah it's more just like a kind of passion project and yeah there are perks like sometimes getting free clothes <laughs> like these degrees <laughs> but um, I don't make it, I don't make money from yeah, it yeah. Yeah. it doesn't pay the rent yeah. I'd need about 20,000 more followers until that happened I think so and I'm curious, so since you made the shift into working full-time, have you found... Because I often sometimes feel like the most productive people are the busiest people. Mm. Have you found that kind of just having to carve out that space in your around your full-time job has actually made you more efficient? Or how have you found that balancing act? I love having a routine of a full-time job, yeah. and I didn't think I would at all. Because, mm. I mean, the idea of being freelance in theory is really great because you can get your nails done in the middle of the day <laughs> and like have a lion and things like that but like in reality you probably work a lot more hours mm. because you're working well into the night you know you're checking your emails at all hours mm. you know I, I love now like having that routine and yeah you have to maybe be more careful with your time and how you plan it but um yeah it's, it's definitely a like bit of a change in your lifestyle but mm. um so far I'm loving it so oh, yeah, that's great that's really good yeah um, so maybe shifting over to the sustainable fashion and ethical fashion. So you just mentioned you were always very interested in fashion. It's mm-hmm. been a passion of yours. So when did you kind of make that shift towards, you know, focusing on ethical or sustainable fashion? Was there an event or did that come gradually? I think, um, you know, it's always been on my radar. I think no one can really work um, in or study the fashion industry without knowing 
that it is a wasteful and exploitative industry um, in a lot of ways. And I, I think I even remember learning it in school. Like, I'm mm. sure we did when there was that big Nike sweatshop scandal. Oh, we did yeah, a whole project on that like when I was quite young. Yeah. Um, but then kind of, so the Rana Plaza disaster happened in 2013. Um, and what that was, for anyone who doesn't know, is um, in Dhaka, in Bangladesh, a factory collapsed um, and it killed 1,138 uh, garment workers, um, which is a tragedy in itself. But it kind of brought to light what these garment workers were doing, which was making cheap clothing for fast fashion brands like Primark, Gap, you know, I mean, name any. There were so many in that same factory. Mm. It was, you know, a massive, massive factory. Mm-hmm. And these these workers had complained to their um, bosses that the walls had cracks and, you know, they knew it was going to happen, but they had to work anyway because they were pushed for time and budget and things like that. Um, and then there were all these protests kind of after it, you know, mm. being like, you know, you need to respect us as the people that make your clothes. Um, so obviously there was a lot of like press coverage on that. I was just gonna say sorry to interrupt. There's a really good um, documentary on Netflix on it. Mm. It's called the, the True Cost. The True Cost. That, yeah, yeah, that's a really good overview if you're yeah. kind of new to this world. The True mm-hmm. Cost. Um, and then in the kind of aftermath of that, um, a group of people in London set up a charity called Fashion Revolution um, because there was no one else in this kind of space like uh, telling the stories of garment workers. Um, mm. and that's kind of continues to this day you know they've grown globally but that's their main message is like who made my clothes like the, who are the people that make your clothes mm-hmm. and like how are they being treated um, so yeah that's kind of then sparked me to be like oh I can't just keep well on a personal level I can't keep uh, investing in these brands that mm. let that happen mm-hmm. um, and then and also I might note did basically nothing after that and continue to have those same practices mm. despite signing accords and things you know nothing has actually happened yeah um and then on a kind of uh, the online content uh phase of it you know I can't keep creating content that promotes these brands either mm. um and you can't really work in this space I think without at least trying to make some kind of change. And mm-hmm. even if you don't have that many followers, you know, you might be able to change the mind mm. of one one person. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, it just became more and more um, prominent in my mind. And now it's like, to me, there isn't an alternative. Mm-hmm. Like, ethical fashion is the only, mm-hmm. the only future for mm-hmm. fashion. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And what would you... I guess there's a tension as well, though, between kind of... Um, you know, wanting to purchase things from um, ethical supply chains and, and knowing kind of the um, conditions under which um, the people who produce the clothes, um, you know, are, are operating. And then there's also the kind of sustainability angle as well. And there's a kind of like, you know, textiles is actually a really resource intensive industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a question mark around, you know, well, even if the clothes are ethically produced, should we be produ- should we be kind of just churning out loads loads more clothes and the impact as you were saying on the kind of environment from growing mm. all the cloth and all the you know raw materials for the cloth and all that kind of thing for for natural materials so i guess i'm just interested to know kind of how what your thoughts are in that balance as well cuz i i presume a big part of 
the um, sector as well is thinking about kind of secondhand garments and kind mm. of reusing materials and all that kind so of thing as well. So I think they both feed into each other. It's not like two separate issues like social yeah. and environmental because the reason that these garment workers are being exploited is so that they can make a higher quantity of clothes. Mm. Then that leads to the waste mm-hmm. and it's like this vicious yeah. cycle. Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole system is exploitative and you know it takes advantage of the people but also of the planet's resources mm. um basically i use the term ethical fashion mm-hmm. more so than sustainable fashion although like pe- people use them interchangeably because like ethical means you know doing what's right mm-hmm. and what aligns with your values and if your values are you know you're anti climate change and you're also you know pro human rights then mm. that that's both of those boxes ticked yeah. um yeah, it, fashion. People say like ethical fashion is like an uh, how do you say it oxymoron, oxymoron. Mm. <laughs> an oxymoron. Yeah. Because how can an industry that creates things that we don't need be ethical? Mm. Um, and that's like a hard balance for someone like me who like loves fashion and mm. shopping mm, <laughs> and yeah. um, getting dressed up in that, mm-hmm. but also doesn't want to hurt the planet or people. So yeah. mm. it's a hard balance. Yeah. I don't I mean, think there's a perfect hi- solution. You just highlighted an amazing brand that do- that kind of treads that balance between yeah. using up materials that would otherwise go to waste. Mm. And, um, but I also think you know if, if everyone just stopped shopping altogether, the whole industry would die. Everyone would lose their jobs. Like yeah. it's not like at its core a bad industry. Mm. It just has bad practices. Yeah. The I- the idea of designing and, and the craft and the artisanship of like designing and crafting clothes is an amazing thing yeah. and it should be celebrated it's just the practices that make it to mass market are yeah not, are and not I, so great. I think just generally consumerism which is not just exactly it's a more general yeah, it's issue a, it's a more general issue i mean i read the other day i mean i might get the figures completely wrong but that you know some um some big sort of clothing retailers they come up with new collections like every 10 days or something like mm-hmm. that because they want to sell more and more and there are 52 seasons in a year now are there oh my god because i mean there are i mean zara for example mm. yeah. um, where i actually had used to have a part-time job yeah. so i knew that this is true that you get like two deliveries a week like two drops a week wow and they have the most efficient supply chain in the fashion industry like it's really impressive from a business point of view how quickly they go from the design stage to the store is really impressive yeah and you know like good on them that's why the guy who owns it is like the second richest guy in the world or something (laughs) um however i mean what's that doing to the planet yeah yeah and and the people who are like forced to make it that quickly yeah and so when you started becoming interested in it did you kind of make um did you did your personal choices um, change first or did you start blogging about it or researching it? So how, I mean, maybe it's like the question of the chicken and the egg, what yeah. came first, but... <laughs> I think, like, my personal shopping habits took longer to change, for mm. sure. Mm-hmm. Because it's really hard to break, like, a habit of a lifetime of shopping. Mm. And, like, when I was a teenager, I, like, loved Primark. Mm. Like, loved it. I would yeah. go in there with, like, a bat. You know, you pick up a basket and fill the basket yeah, with yeah, crap. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that definitely took longer to change. And I don't think... I also don't think consumers are to blame for wanting yeah. fast fashion. Because, I mean, for a consumer, it's like a win-win because mm. it's it's cheap. Mm-hmm. It's really accessible. Mm-hmm. And it's also on trend. Mm. I mean, that's a win-win for a consumer. So yeah. I don't think any con- 
shopper is to blame for continuing to do that. Yeah. Every marketing message in the world is telling you to buy that. Yeah. I personally can't walk past, I can't walk down Princess Street because it's too yeah. te- tempting. Too, yeah, stimulating. I feel yeah. like physically avoid yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Still, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Because the windows in Zara look so great. I, I have you the know? same problem because, I mean, I, I, I've I always loved shopping, even though I'm not even that, like, much of a fashionable person. Like, I don't really think I have a particular style or anything, but for some reason it was one of those things, like, retail therapy, I think. Exactly, that really it's, like, me. in the culture. Yeah, yeah, but so I'm just so glad that I discovered Depop, which Mona told me about. But now I have that issue with Depop, that I'm constantly on the bloody I know, Depop I have to be careful. Just keep yeah. buying clothes, yeah. and like, my boyfriend's like, the whole point is you, you don't <laughs> yeah. want to buy anything. At least they're secondhand, though, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, so my vice is definitely charity shopping, so mm. when, I went, when I got to uni, like I think so I went to uni 2004 to 2007 and I think there was still quite a stigma around charity shopping where mm. like just at, like say a few years before at school like no one would have admitted buying mm. clothes from a charity 100%, shop yeah. and then I hit uni and the most stylish person hands down who I knew got all of her clothes from a charity shop and overnight mm. it was like wait hang on I am totally there was a, there a was a huge stigma like if someone found out that your like trainers were from a charity shop when I was in school they'd be like oh my gosh, mm. like, you're poor and, you, you know... Yeah, there's a horrible that. social stigma around it. Um, um, but that's completely to- changed. It's really taken so a fantastic. shift. And I, I think, like, it's partly because of influencers. Mm. Um, you know, there's all these incredible um, kind of thrift influencers. Mm. I was kind of led by, like, Australia. Like, there's all these amazing bloggers in Australia. Like, Scotland's really lacking on that front. No mm. offence. But <laughs> Australia is, like, chock full of amazing ethical fashion brands and influencers. Okay, yeah. um, and loads of them are, like, they call them op shops in Australia. No, I've not had that phrase. There's this amazing yeah, yeah. blogger called Op Shop to Runway. And op she basically, runway. she's just really talented at styling yeah. charity shop clothing. And, um, yeah, interesting. I'm, I'm, I mean, there's lots of other factors, too, but... Um, charity shops are getting better at you know like they merchandising are, and stuff they? yeah but yeah, i think influencers have a now. big part to play in that yeah. for sure but just picking up on one little thing that you said when you talked about australia and scotland um lagging behind so i'm from germany and i feel like in germany there's this huge culture right now to have ethical sustainable mm. fashion everything's about minimalism mm. and like you know ethical consumerism and I, I don't, maybe I'm completely wrong, but I feel like the UK is still kind of lagging behind a bit. Do you have 100%, the same? Okay. yeah. The UK is really behind on these things. Like, look at, like, Scandinavia. Mm. Like, they have amazing, like, recycling schemes for one thing, mm. which I did see, I think this week, the Scottish government um, introduced a new scheme where you get 20p when you recycle a plastic bottle, which mm-hmm. is cool. Okay, That's wow. a tangent. Oh, th- yeah, <laughs> we, we had. But that's really yeah, normal yeah, in Europe. Yeah. Like, that's just like a... Yeah, that, exactly. Just, yeah, in Germany, we've that's been just doing normal. that for, like, 40 years. Um, <laughs> exactly. Scotland, yeah. 40 years ago, like... So yeah, someone was telling me about returns. the iron yeah. brew bottles yeah. that they used to have to take their dad's iron yeah. brew bottles. But, um, yeah, and then they have these amazing, like, fashion libraries in uh-huh. Sweden where you, like like you would borrow a book you borrow clothes yeah. from this like public community space which is just oh incredible God, I love that I've yeah. never had and, really cool. you know ethical fashion like museums in, in, in Amsterdam and places like that yeah I would say the UK is lagging behind I mean we're catching up yeah 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 and definitely. London's an amazing hub for it yeah um, but that's why it's so great that there's people like you who are you know working yeah. <laughs> we need more of us though I will say that <laughs> um, and sort of maybe thinking about 
other people. If someone wants to kind of start becoming or shifting away from fast fashion or becoming more of an ethical consumer of fashion, how would you... Well, I mean, do you have any advice for them? I know it's really hard to say, like, what should they do? Mm. But, um, yeah. I think um, there's so much advice out there. Um, it really is about small steps, and I think it's also about knowing your power as a consumer mm-hmm. not your power to consume or, or not consume but your power to um, demand more from the brands that you choose mm. to invest your like hard earned yeah. cash on mm-hmm. and I think if it, you know if we realise that if we're spending say like £40 a week in Zara mm-hmm. Z- Zara is taking our, our earnings and, and kind of doing what they want with them mm-hmm. we actually have that power as consumers to be like hold on a second mm-hmm. what what are the conditions of the people that made those products? You know, mm-hmm. what materials are they made from? Where are they made? Like we are, we're allowed to ask mm-hmm. those questions. Mm-hmm. We also have this amazing thing called social media. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no longer like having to write a letter to some PR company. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. have social media. Mm-hmm. I like I regularly publicly comment on Instagram to brands like. Um, how are you selling this t-shirt for six ninety nine? Mm, Please tell me yeah. about how much the garment market was paid. Mm. Like on a regular basis, they always DM me because they don't want that showing up on their yeah, feed. Like of course, of course they and don't. What kind of level of response do you? Usually, get? it's just a link to their corporate social responsibility uh-huh. policy. To be fair, it's not like a great a response. Direct answer, yeah. Um, however, like the more people that do that, it will reach a critical mass where they're like, oh, actually, this is something our consumers want. Mm. Without consumers, we don't have a business, so we need to keep up with their trends, mm-hmm. you know? And you, you see brands already doing that on some level, but mm-hmm. I, I think, like, social media is this amazing tool. I mean, like, say what you want about it. It has a lot of negative effects, too. Mm. But, like, we have this amazing access you feel like you never can hold people accountable in a different Absolutely. way almost. because yeah. Like yeah, Fashion Revolution have this, just a simple model of why they keep pushing the message of who made my clothes, you know, mm-hmm. after all this time. And it's transparency, accountability, change. So the more transparent brands are, and you can, you can check how transparent they are, as in how much information do they disclose about the supply chain. And um, they have mm. uh, Fashion Revolution run this uh, yearly thing called the Fashion fashion transparency index Mm -hmm. and it's like 150 brands and it rates them in different ways Mm. Um, and once they give out that information you know whether it's good or bad information that they're telling you it you can then hold them accountable to you know the the claims that they make online you know we're eco-friendly okay but are Mm. you because this says that you make eight percent of your clothes from polyester so Mm. and then you know that leads to change so I'm just thinking, for example, about, for example, H&M, who mm-hmm. have this, like, conscious clothing line and who have all these things like, recycle your clothes here. And then I, by chance, read that actually it's really hard to recycle clothes because they have mixed fabrics and so they can't sometimes be recycled. So um, in terms of... But I think as a general consumer, if you go out there and you see, like, oh, my favorite brand is doing something for the environment or is being conscious, you know, you're just kind of like, cool, now it's fine, I can shop there. Exactly. It gives us the yeah. permission yeah. to continue those bad habits so would your advice then be to look at that sorry can you say one more time transparency transparency oh the transparency index yeah yeah, yeah. yes i would definitely recommend you have a look yeah there are some like surprising things on there too okay um there's actually loads of other great ways to kind of rank your brand so you may think that i mean hm are doing 
more than most brands. Mm. So I don't mean to like like trash talk them that much, but mm. the reason that they do get trash talked a lot in the ethical fashion community is because they pour so much money into marketing this eco-friendly message. Yeah. Mm. The amount of money that's poured into the actual projects is is tiny. Like yeah. a huge amount of their budget is in marketing their conscious collection. Their conscious collection is about zero point zero one or two percent of their entire collection. Yeah. yeah. You know. That's, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's tiny. It's, and while pushing that message they continue to produce more and more open more stores etc yeah. yeah so I think um th- there's lots of other ways like a great um if you're a bit confused about where where's good on the high street you know mm. try this app called good on you mm, um yeah. good on you okay we'll link to that you could also try a site like compare ethics mm-hmm. where you basically choose like um, what's important to you so maybe it's like you want vegan mm-hmm. fashion and mm. you care about animal rights you can like check that off and it will give you the brands so it depends okay. what you want to prioritize really yeah um, that's really interesting there are loads of tools out there yeah it but, sounds um, like there are quite a few different just i think like uh, yeah I, I think as a consumer you just need to like read between the lines a bit more mm. do a bit more research like don't take things at face value and that goes for any industry mm, I'd say as of well course, yeah. but can I ask a question Ruth do you think also as consumers we have a responsibility to maybe as well um, kind of re-examine our own um, I guess willingness to invest in in fashion that um, kind of upholds the values that we support so uh, the reason why I ask is because um, through social media I found a brand that I've been following for a couple of years called Elizabeth Susan I don't know if you oh know. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so she's amazing so she's an American yeah. um, brand and all of her products are made from very sustainable materials and made to order which is quite mm-hmm. sort of unusual um, so there's quite a long lead in time and they're quite expensive so people have to I guess adjust to that idea that okay if I want something that's produced in a very ethical transparent way mm-hmm. I might have to wait a certain amount of time in order yeah. to get it and I might have to pay more mm. than I otherwise would be willing to and really save up to invest in a piece that's going to last me a long time yeah. and so at first when I looked at the prices because I really bought into the ethics and the kind of mm. um, the vision of her brand and then when I looked at the prices like I found myself instinctively feeling like oh my god I could never invest mm. in that mm. and then I had to really re-examine my thought process and mm-hmm. say well hang on a second that dress might cost you know maybe three times a Zara dress but mm. actually I would wear it forever instead of it shrinking after you know five <laughs> washes <laughs> or being you know so yeah. style led or sort of kind of so fashion led that it's kind of out of style mm. within a few seasons and you would or probably take better care of it too uh-huh. seeing that it was something that invested yeah, in. Yeah, I think I think that speaks to a wider issue of like how people value clothing. Yeah. Mm. And this is like an, a modern phenomenon. Like mm. people used to have clothes for life mm. and uh, pass them on generation to generation, fix them. Everyone would have sewing skills. Mm-hmm. Everyone would have a local tailor. Like it's it's a very new thing that we see fashion as like short term and disposable. Mm. Um, you, you can look at the figures, but it's basically like as inflation has happened, earnings go up, you know, the price of all like consumable goods, you know, food, mm-hmm. fuel, et cetera, go up. Mm-hmm. The cost of fashion in the past 10 years has either stayed the same or gone down. Mm. Like clothing has got cheaper. Wow, yeah. Because we just don't value it anymore. Yeah. Um, there's like all these amazing quotes about it, but basically I, th- I think you're right. Like people maybe do get put off by the cost of sustainable fashion, um, but when you actually think about what goes into that, mm. and if your own personal values tell you, you know, I want to invest in a brand that pays their workers fairly, mm. which seems like a really simple demand, mm. then you you do have to pay more. Mm. 
but like you were saying, you'll take care of it better, and you'll hopefully. it'll be it'll be <laughs> yeah. hopefully something that you have for life. Yeah. 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 yeah, and that you'd appreciate more as well, I guess, because yeah. it's something that you saved for. You know, anything that you save for and that you yeah. look forward to, you're just a bit like, ah, this is my special thing, you know, rather yeah. than buying a five-pound T-shirt. I'm like, ugh, whatever. But also that, I mean, there are affordable, mm. ethical uh-huh. options. Yeah. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be really expensive. There are loads of great brands out there that are, like, pretty much the same cost as, like, Topshop. Probably yeah. less. Yeah. Like, look at, like, Lucy and Yak is one of my favourites. Oh, I love Lucy More dungarees. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I just love dungarees at the moment. Um, you know, their prices are, like, 30 to 50 pounds. Yeah. That's the same as, as the high street. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's... Uh, also, obviously, second-hand shopping is a mm. lot cheaper than the high street most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. Depends where you are, because I went charity shopping in London recently, and I was, I like, shocked. It can be, yeah, it can be extraordinary. <laughs> it's like they're selling, you know, a Zara dress for the same price as it's sold what, in Zara. What also, yeah, the Primark second-hand stuff is what kills me. It's yeah. like, we yeah. all know that. We all know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, that, yeah, there's loads of, like, affordable options out there, like... Yeah. Because I, I, I don't have a big budget for clothes yeah. like I'm like in a like very junior graduate job like I don't I yeah, come yeah. by Elizabeth season but yeah. um yeah there's affordable options out there too and in terms of um maybe thinking more of I, maybe maybe you don't have an answer for this um and just thinking this through like is there a is there a specific type of textile or garment that may be safer in air quotes to buy than other materials like for example mm. A lot of um, shops sell, you know, organic cotton T-shirts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that something that people can trust? Or is it like, oh, no, there's still a catch and it's still... But, I mean, there's always a catch yeah. um, <laughs> in fast fashion. But, yeah, like, if, if you're going to shop on the high street, there are definitely, like, these safer options. Mm. So, like, organic cotton's going to be better than a regular cotton. Mm. Cotton in general is, like, a problematic material mm. because of how, like, uh, thirsty it is. Yeah. Um, but... Organic cotton is better because it doesn't use pesticides, which, you know, mm. ruin the biodiversity of what they're growing. Mm-hmm. Um, avoid polyester if you can at all costs, okay. which is pretty difficult to do, seeing as it's 80% it's, of all clothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems um, to be in everything. But, I mean, everyone's really, like, on it with, like, plastic straws and plastic bottles at the mm-hmm. moment. People don't realise that what you're wearing is plastic, too. Mm-hmm. Like, people forget that. Yeah. It's, like, blocked out of our, of our mind. It's yeah. the same petrochemical used mm-hmm. to make a plastic bag yeah, it's the wow. same um so i mean that that's a good option and then also look at like yeah look at if you look on the high street like brands that are doing something giving back mm. like mm. I, I mean i don't shop on the high street really at all apart from i buy tights and underwear still from marks and spencers mm. because they have like loads of great programs mm. like i think it's called like plan b or something mm-hmm. no yeah. plan a i can't remember but yeah yeah i think it's plan a because there's there's no plan b or something like that. <laughs> yes i was like plan b is like a contraceptive pill yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah there's definitely like safer options too yeah. um but i would try the indie young kind of cool alternatives to these kind of old school high street brands also mm. um. yeah now it's interesting that you say that about polyester because I remember growing up my mom was always like don't buy anything polyester and you know me wanting to wear the cool stuff yeah. everything was polyester and I was, I was like what, she's, what is she on about why is mm. that such a big issue and now 
you know, you saying that it's basically the same material yeah. as a plastic bag. It's bag. the exact same. Yeah. <laughs> Natural fibers are going to be better. Mm. I mean, they're not necessarily less mm. resource intensive in the mm. first instance, but they do biodegrade eventually. So, mm, yeah. yeah, I also read that if you, if you, so if you have polyester clothes and if you wash them, that mm. with every wash, basically plastic is well, entered into the water cycle exactly. and can get into the ocean or wherever. So, yeah, it seems like people aren't really talking yeah. about that. I, I'm hoping that. that that's the next wave of, like, mm. um, kind of press coverage and the online. New, like, microbeads. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, the yeah. kind of David Attenborough effect of, yeah. like, plastic in the ocean. That's yeah. kind of what's happening right now, which is great. Yeah. But I'm hoping that this will be, you know, the next wave because it's still no one knows about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's super interesting. Um... Sorry, I just had a total brain fart. I was starting to think about ocean <laughs> plastic in the ocean. I know. <laughs> I mean, you need a whole a whole podcast on that. I think. Oh God, yeah, that's another huge topic. Um, yeah, sorry. And the charity that you mentioned earlier, where you also volunteer, Fashion Revolution. Mm-hmm. So, what do what do you guys do basically? So, um, as I said, Fashion Revolution was set up um, after Rana Plaza in twenty thirteen. Just a small group of people in London, um, and now it's in over seventy countries, um, and it's basically this. Um, I don't know if they even call themselves a charity, but it, it's an initiative, um, a non-profit initiative uh, that encourages people to change their um, attitudes and behaviour when it comes to fashion, but also mostly like lobbying governments and encouraging brands to be more transparent about their supply chain. Mm. The transparency is really their priority right now. Obviously, that's not the full solution. Mm-hmm. But as I said, that then leads to change. Um, and it all kind of centers around this question of, like, who made my clothes? Mm-hmm. So every um, April, um, there's a week in April called Fashion Revolution Week, which is falls on that anniversary of Rana Plaza. Um, and during that week, events all around the world happen. So that's when the kind of local teams like us, Fashion Revolution Scotland, come in. We run events throughout the whole country. We had 22 events this year. And um, wow. these events can be anything from, like, a clothes swap to, like, a film screening of the true cost to mm-hmm. a pop-up shop of, like, a sustainable designer um, to, like, a lecture series or anything like that. And it's basically just to get the community involved in um, kind of combating fast fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just help out with social media and bits and bobs mm-hmm. and like the events when they come around as well um, and I think it's a really amazing initiative okay. basically we'll link to yeah, definitely. them definitely in the show notes and is um, social media the main tool to reach the wider public or are they also sort of yeah I mean, I mean the offline events are mm. a big part of their strategy yeah um, during fashion revolution week but kind of all year round it's, it's all about social media and harnessing that power mm. but they also have on their website really really great free resources just for anyone to download and they have things like templates for writing a letter to your MP mm. to bring this up in, in Parliament um, because obviously like you don't necessarily know the right terminology mm. they just they, you print you can print out or download it on your email just mm-hmm. type in the name just go oh, wow. or a letter to a brand yeah. so you can get the contact details of a brand's kind of a corporate social responsibility person mm. um and also, it's just this hashtag, who made my clothes, which has millions and millions of posts. If you have a look on it, it's yeah, it's really interesting I've seen to see. That. There's loads on. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I follow quite a few sort of um, influencers 
um, who have as their interests sort of ethical yeah, fashion uh-huh. and sustainable fashion. And I, I saw that that mm-hmm. was... Now that you say the, it was the Rana Plaza anniversary, it makes sense because it's like there's loads of that in yeah. April. <laughs> it's every, every April yeah. it's it's huge, but it's all yeah. it's all year round, and they're yeah. doing they're doing stuff with Extinction Rebellion this year. Oh, okay, um, interesting. Because obviously they started as this kind of social movement, but yeah. as I said, it all ties into the environmental kind of exploitation as well. So yeah. um, I'm really interested to see how how that turns out. We've. Well, we're waiting to go global, obviously, but for the moment, <laughs> we're very focused on Edinburgh and Scotland. Mm-hmm. Are there any shops or brands in Scotland or Edinburgh that you could recommend that are ethical brands? Ethical yes. Um, I mean, there are loads of great charity shops, first of all. Mm. Where are your favourite charity shop in Haunts? Can we compare notes? Yeah. Stockbridge, oh, yeah. number one. I know. I used to live in Cumberland Bank and I used to walk... Well, the bad thing was I would walk past the windows every morning on my way to work before the shops were open, spot amazing things, right. and then on my way home, they would be closed. Aww. So I'd have to wait till the weekend, and then obviously all the good stuff was gone. Yeah, it's always gone Nightmare. I have to say, Mona is the charity shop queen. Um, mm. kind of. You are the Well, we'll have to fight for that crown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say charity shop and Gumtree, you're like... Oh, mm. Gumtree, yeah. 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 But I think the reason I love it in Stockbridge is because, like, you can make a day of it and, like, go for a nice coffee and, like, go to the market and stuff. So that's why I like it. The the cheaper ones are, like, uh, in the south side, like, up the bridges and... Uh, in Dalry as well, so. Oh, Dalry is a good shout. It's not many, but you do get good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And there's a few in Leith too, like where I am. There's one where everything's two pounds. Like oh wow! It's just the rule is a cancer the Saint, research or something. The St Columbus Hospice is quite nice mm. as well. Yeah, that's walk. good. And for furniture, it's amazing. But that's yes. a whole other thing. That's a whole. Other thing. <laughs> <laughs> so there's charity shops. Yeah. Um, there's also vintage shops, and so my favorite is called Carnival. Mm-hmm. Um, full disclaimer it's like someone I know that runs it but uh, she kind of it's quite a small boutique but she really like curates it so it's not just like a load of kind of junk thrown Mm. out there it's like really curated every kind of era from like 1920s to the 90s oh amazing Um, you can get like really extravagant stuff but also like cool everyday like Levi's and things like that she's got an amazing Instagram feed as well where she shows you how she restores the stuff like she often shows you like how she gets smoke um, smells out of the fabrics and kind of how she washes them and repairs stuff as well and that's really 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 special I Uh think that she has these skills that are like being lost Yeah. Mm. like I was in there and I found like you know she had gets these crates of like loads of clothes kind of jumbled up and there was this like green leather thing that I was like oh that looks interesting so I like took it out and it's beautiful 60s swing coat green leather yeah. bottle green um, but it had like loads of rips and it was like really crumpled and like the buttons were like missing and one was broken and I was like oh man she's like I'll fix it like no problem wow like no problem at all I'm like that's amazing yeah. like, to have that all in one yeah. rather than buying it and then going yeah, to a totally. tailor so yeah, yeah, yeah. um and then there's also like Armstrong's, which is probably like the best known one, and there's three of those shops, so mm-hmm. quite, kind of spoiled for choice. And there's mm-hmm. loads on in Stockbridge too, like on St Stephen Street. Mm. Um, oh, those St. were the days. Street it was a good is, one. Yes, 
Yes. Herman Brown is also lovely, Herman Brown's just down, like, down the road from Coney Yeah, Brown, I always forget yeah. about that, but that's a really good one too. They always have like nice designer stuff in there and like cool like 90s sportswear and stuff. So, mm, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm taking note. I'm yeah. <laughs> we should all go in. shopping together one yeah. day. Yes. <laughs> I have to say the saddest thing about being pregnant is like basically just can't mm. wear anything nice. Oh, <laughs> that's so sad. Well. <laughs> but yeah, give it three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and then plus extra oh time for the bump to go down. Three like, weeks. So what about actually... I mean, slight tangent, but what about children's clothes? Are they also oh, in charity? This is really interesting, actually, because, I mean, I, I knew no- nothing about it because I don't have kids. Yeah. But um, I went to... So during Fashion Revolution Week, uh, we ran an event at Bontot, which uh-huh. is on St. Stephen Street, and it's a kids' wear store. Um, and the woman who runs it, Christina, is really switched on to these issues, um, and everything in her shop is, like, beautifully, you know, ethically made, like, organic and stuff like that. Yeah. Um because these things, I think, are, like, increasingly more important to parents mm. as they want to dress mm. their kids in, like, organic and natural fibres and things like that. Um, and we did a panel discussion, and, you know, most of the audience were mums. Mm. Um, and, you know, they were all talking to me about it afterwards. And it, it, I'd say, like, the kind of children's wear industry is probably ahead of the adults wear industry in terms oh, wow. of, like, ethical brands. Because that is more of a priority, I think, for people dressing their kids. Right. And then these mums were sort of saying that, you know... They, they take a lot of care and pride in that yeah. and then when it comes to their own clothes they kind of just yeah, buy whatever, whatever. I'll wear whatever but which like, I thought was really interesting yeah. it's definitely something I want to look yeah. into more because I mean ah. if you don't have kids you kind of don't yeah, really you don't, register you don't no exactly um, just like what and there are lots of bloggers as well like these kind of like mummy bloggers yeah yeah um, I've, I've not really delved into that world yet I it's, have a, to say, it's but... a minefield but oh really <laughs> um, yeah so Bontot is a great place in Edinburgh if you want ethical kids okay. yeah. yeah. But you see a lot of um, baby wear in charity shops as well. And yeah, also, because obviously you give say, it away more because yeah. they grow quickly. Oh, but yeah, also people, um, the kind of informal swapping of clothes market for, so people, as soon as you like find out you're pregnant, people are super generous because, mm. you know, kids grow out of clothes so quickly. Exactly. That I'd say most of the clothes I have come from other people who've just mm. been like, hey, like my mm. kids have grown out of this stuff. So it's funny that it happens with kids where it doesn't tend to happen. And imagine yeah. if we had that same attitude yeah. towards our own clothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think about this a lot. I like recently moved in with one of my best friends, and we're like kind of the same size, and we have the same taste, and it's been amazing. That's amazing. Um, Very rare. (laughs) I know. I lived with a boy before, so it wasn't like that. But um, I wear my boyfriend's clothes now. Yeah. (laughs) It's been like it's been really interesting, and it sort of made me think about the. You know, it's very easy for us to check those because our our rooms are like next to each other. Is there, like, a way that we can make it more easy to share, like, in a wider sense? Like, obviously, there's clothes swaps, and I love clothes swaps, but, you know, like, this fashion library thing they do in, in Scandinavia and a way to kind of capitalise on that because, I mean, I don't have to shop as much because I know mm. I don't need to buy that pink um, uh, roll neck long sleeve top because I know that my flatmate has it in mm. her wardrobe right now. So yeah. <laughs> there's kind of no need. That's really... That's such a nice attitude to have because I think... You know, mostly we tend to be more like, well, this is mine and no one touch it. You know, yeah, so that ownership. <laughs> thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, yeah. we need to step away from yeah. that ownership model and think more about uh, rental and and sharing. And totally. That sharing. I mean, I would totally well. support a clothes library in, in Scotland. Amazing, Ruth, come it? on, <laughs> you're <laughs> the know. woman to do make it, it happen. Well, there is. Um, it's called Shrub, the sh- Swap and Reuse Hub. Oh, I heard about um, that. Yeah, it's on. God, I can't remember the name of the street. 
Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in town. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they have, like, uh, kind of clothes sharing, food sharing, okay. book sharing, like, that kind of thing. It's really okay. interesting. Oh, that is super um, interesting. And then in terms of, like, other shops, um, Godiva is one of my favourites. It's in that same area in the grass market. Um, they have half of their shop is like indie brand so they sell this brand Empress um, Old Clothes which is how I found out about them and they sell some local brands as well like Rao and Joy who's a really cool Edinburgh designer and um, they sell Armed Angels which is a German Mm. ethical fashion brand Um, and then the other half of their shop is um, vintage well like retro mainly but it's like really kind of on trend vintage Mm. so they kind of they look at what the trends are and they, they get that in um, so wow. that's I feel like this, this whole new horizon opened for me about <laughs> shops in Edinburgh because it's always like oh, Edinburgh's crap for shops. That's what everyone says, and it really bugs me because yeah. I'm like, it's not, it's okay. not. And uh, Leith's great too. Yeah. Um, we've got um, the Scottish Design Exchange, which again, full disclosure, I used to work for, but mm. it's like this collective of, of designers. Um, and then through in Glasgow, I mean, there's like, loads more in Glasgow yeah, yeah, that yeah. I won't go through, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's loads happening. There's also loads of great designers here who kind of run their own pop-up shops yeah. and things like that, and they sell online. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to have a physical retail store. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you do have to go online for ethical clothing. Mm. Um, but what was I going to say? Yeah, Edinburgh's yeah. a great place <laughs> for ethical fashion, I'd say. Even That's John Lewis has started selling Armed Angels. Oh, yeah. Which I think is amazing. That is like, amazing, To have yeah. such a mainstream store yeah. sell that kind of niche brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's amazing. That is super amazing. I mean, again, you know, being from Germany, I think Armed Angels is like a I know, but no one knows brand. it yet. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, no one knows it. It's, it's really I've got funny. loads from there already. It's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah I, I really liked Armed um, I like Armed Angels. And hopefully that means John Lewis is kind of going more in that direction. I mean, they've always been kind of these champions of, like, mm. design and, mm-hmm. like, that kind of design-led thing. Mm. So mm. maybe it's a sign of more to yeah. come. Yeah. And do you find, sort of just because um, I'm just thinking about it now with John Lewis and, you know, maybe also these big retailers or big shops trying to go with the trend, I really feel like... Um, <laughs> to know maybe if we're all millennials here but I, I, I almost feel like it's the next generation that's doing like oh, that, a yeah, lot and they're more, really yeah. tuned in rather than us our generation yeah. so. I mean look at like Greta Thunberg yeah. and like the uh, climate strike and Extinction Rebellion as well. Yeah, yeah, like yeah it's yeah. amazing. It's all young people. And like my my friend's amazing. little sister is like really active in Extinction Rebellion, and she's like getting arrested and all of that. What? And you're like, you're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. definitely yeah. Young youth, the youth are gonna. <laughs> the youth are gonna are gonna change gonna things. Save the planet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need to get the old folks on board too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're the ones yeah, in politics, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. The ones with the spending power. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and maybe just taking one step backwards again, Ruth. So obviously, this like our podcast, we're sort of trying to you know talk to people who mm. manage to work on their passion projects and carve out space and time, and you already mentioned at the beginning you know that you obviously have a full-time job mm-hmm. now um is there any I, I mean are you following sort of a strict routine where you're like okay on Mondays I do this on or are you more flexible but it seems to me that you're quite efficient with your time but I I don't really have like a schedule for my blog which I probably should I definitely used to okay just quite busy at the moment <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, that's a 
life. Stupid excuse, but you know, <laughs> no, I, <think laughs> I wish I had more time for it. Yeah. But I mean, my work takes a lot of my time. Um, mm. I work in like digital marketing, mm. um, which means, like I said, I'm always on my phone, and that's kind of like a twenty-four hour thing too. Mm. You know, like with social media. Mm. So, um, yeah. There's not enough hours in the day, basically. Yeah. But it sounds like the two things are quite complementary. So, like, things that you learn via your work projects then can mm. feed into Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yourself. kind of doing digital marketing for businesses definitely teaches you more about how you kind of run it for yourself. Um, and also knowing how the kind of marketing industries work, the advertising industry. Like, mm. we, we create fashion campaigns, which mm. is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, in the past, we've worked with Stella McCartney, who's wow. obviously this, like, kind of ethical fashion spearhead and things like that. Um, but then also for, like, fast fashion brands, too. So it's kind of seeing, seeing how that works behind the scenes is actually really interesting. Yeah. And then you talked about kind of your phone always being switched on. Um, so I guess I think a lot of us probably feel like, you know, we're increasingly glued to our screens and that can kind of cause for some people, I guess, a bit of anxiety, like kind of comparison mm-hmm. and envy and also just burnout from constantly having to be on. So I just wondered if you have any um, tips about how to kind of like you know take a step back mm. as and when you need to or just any ways that you stay sane on social I, I don't think I'm the best person actually to like give advice because I definitely like feel that myself yeah. like the burnout thing and I definitely sometimes like just need to like put my phone down and go for a walk or like mm. I like living by the sea because I can just go to the sea and just like look at the water for a mm-hmm. um, or like go on holiday for a week and just don't take your phone um but it would be nice to have more balance so that you don't need to totally detox like that. Yeah. Um, I guess just um, kind of separating that online world from the real world. So like I was saying before, like not not sharing every single part of your life mm. online, like keeping some of that. I think mm. that's helped actually, keeping yeah. some of that aside. So like not being like, here's me out with my friends, like mm. actually just enjoying being out yeah. with my friends yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. actually really helps me yeah um not that there's anything wrong with like posting pictures of you and your friends but like for me because my Instagram's very much like this is me as a brand mm. like, this is me promoting brands mm. like it doesn't feel right to do that and mm. I was thinking about starting like a Instagram just for me mm. and like my cat <laughs> but I was like do you know what I actually I don't want to do that because then I'm going to spend my time when I'm out for dinner with my friends like taking pictures I don't want to do that so I guess it's up to you but for me like because it's my job I don't Mm. have a choice not to be on it yeah Yeah. so I guess it's how I spend my time not working yeah Yeah. but I think that's a useful lesson for everyone because I mean um even so I have three Instagram accounts and I mean on a much smaller mm. scale I just have my personal one and then the one for my blog which I'm now also mm-hmm. using for yoga and then well the, the podcast one and you do fall into this trap that you constantly feel like you have to update people that yep. you're like oh god I haven't posted anything in like five days so I need to say something and then sometimes I just stare at my phone and I'm like I don't know what to post like I don't know what to say yeah. and then I just you know this is like I, yeah. I've been posting way less lately yeah. and you, re- you don't lose f- followers yeah necessarily yeah, like yeah. I think it was some advice there's a really nice podcast by um Sarah Tasker who runs me and Ola you know she's like oh, yeah, really yeah, insta famous yeah. <laughs> but she runs this great podcast um called hashtag authentic mm. and a lot of the advice she gives to like people who want to become instagram 
influencers is like only post your best so Mm. like if something is I mean it's not to be a perfectionist but it's just like don't post just for the sake of it basically Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um which is definitely something I do in like my own work like we would never post something just because like Mm -hmm. it has to be the best Mm -hmm. because it represents the whole brand Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and I don't I think there's less and less pressure to post every day now yeah um, I don't think in the Instagram algorithms even favor favor that. So, well, that's the thing I read about, or maybe they talked about it on the Hilo a, a podcast mm, I listened to. One of my faves. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. But they, I think they were talking about was it Lush? They've just completely gone off social media. Yeah, the media UK altogether. Lush has deleted all their social media. That's incredible. So yeah, I mean they can do that though because yeah. they everyone already they knows who to, they are. They don't have to worry about losing. Customers. The rest of us peasants have yeah. to keep watching. But. Yeah, but it was interesting because on the high low they talked about whether there's going to be a shift in the future of people maybe moving mm. away from social media because it's such overwhelm sometimes too. I mean, I I know that on. like I think in this generation, like a lot of my friends are deleting their Facebook accounts. Mm. Like that seems to be a thing at the moment. Mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. just don't want to be online anymore, mm. which is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of maybe blogging, so do you have any sort of words of wisdom or advice to share with anyone who might have a, you know, passion or interest in something and would like to, you know, either use blogging to even just learn more about it, but they don't really feel like their voice matters Mm -hmm. or, you know, there's always that bit of shame at the beginning where you feel like I'm writing something, I don't know if anyone Mm -hmm. cares. Mm -hmm. Do you have any sort of words of wisdom of like how someone could get started? Not to become maybe like an influencer or a superstar blogger, but just, you know. Well, one thing I don't think anyone should start an Instagram thinking that they're going to get like famous and rich from it Mm -hmm. because like... Maybe you will, but you probably won't. <laughs> um, like, I've been doing... I have had my Instagram for ages, and it's taken me this long to get, like, a relatively small amount of followers. Mm. Like, it's really hard. It's hard at the beginning because people really just... Hard. You feel like you're talking to a brick wall. Yeah, and also people just follow you because they think you'll follow them back. So then yeah. every time I check, I, like, lose 10, yeah. 15 people. Exactly. Like, Where have you gone? It's, it's frustrating, and... It might seem as well like there, it's a saturated market too. Mm. I don't think it's saturated if you look at it like if no one's doing what you do the way you do it. Mm-hmm. It's like obviously there are loads of people who write about fashion, mm. but is anyone doing it from your perspective? Mm. You know, it's. I think you just need to get started. Mm-hmm. You can't like just think and think about oh maybe I'll start a blog you know maybe I'll do mm. this. Just do it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the only way you'll learn. Yeah. And if, if you speak authentically about something you're genuinely passionate about, not just pretending to be because it's on trend, something you're genuinely interested in and you want to share with the world, then there will be a community. Mm. It might be a really small community mm. and maybe it's 100 people, maybe it's 1,000 people, maybe it's 100,000 people, but, mm. like, there will be people that will connect with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Be, just be like be authentic to like what you do mm. um, and maybe approach it with no expectations kind of yeah. thing to yeah. get anything I mean, just, out of it yeah don't take it too seriously yeah. <laughs> yeah. if you're not enjoying it what the hell yeah. what's, the point? what's the point but you know what it's funny because like when I started the Instagram for my ethical blog I was kind of like maybe some brand will see this and send me stuff mm. oh my god and then I immediately was like well that's that's the wrong but maybe they will but yeah. I don't think that should ever be the intention exactly yeah, of yeah, a yeah. Post. definitely not it yeah. should it's just a perk yeah 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 yeah, yeah totally yeah interesting well yeah 
else? I think we talked about everything. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> so thanks so much, Ruth. Thanks for Thank chatting you. to us. It was super interesting. Um, and I think we all have like lots of recommendations now for brands mm. and um, shopping trips in Edinburgh. So <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a link that has my, like I call it my ultimate list of brands. Oh, because amazing. I can never think of them off the top of my head. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Maybe if you put that link and then there's loads of brands there. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. put that into our show notes. For and obviously we'll point everyone towards your blog. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks very much. Thank you. If you're interested in keeping up with Ruth, you should visit her blog at ruthmcgilb.com. That's ruthmcgilb.com where you can find all her latest content on sustainable fashion and what she's up to and just tips and tricks. Maybe not tricks, but tips. <laughs> and you can also follow Ruth on Instagram at ruthmakegillblog. And you should definitely give her a follow because she always posts either really amazing outfits um, with links to the brands that she's wearing, but also in terms of if you're interested in sustainable fashion and ethical fashion and what you can do about it, Ruth has some really interesting stories on there and some tips. So definitely follow her. And also follow us if you're not already. Um, So we are on all the social media channels. So on Facebook, we are at Work In Progress Podcast. On Instagram, which is probably where we're most active, I would say, Mm -hmm. we are at WIP underscore pod. And on Twitter, we are pod underscore WIP. So do um, give us um, a follow and also we would love it if you would like and subscribe to our podcast uh, we read every review mm. I mean there's not gazillions let's face it there are what are you talking about Rona? <laughs> but um, and we, you could be one of them <laughs> you could be our next reviewer fancy yeah. that we would absolutely love to hear from you and as this is the last podcast of our current season um, we would also just love to hear feedback in general um, whether it be things that you would like to hear more of less of Uh, nominate someone to be interviewed or even yourself Mm -hmm. Um, so please 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 get in touch yeah and um, we're gonna do a quick wrap up episode just to have a little review of season one but apart from that work in progress is going on maternity leave (laughs) half of work in progress is going on maternity leave well I'm I'm going on maternity leave with you so (laughs) whether I like it or not (laughs) yes um And we'll hopefully be back at the end of the year or so. We'll keep you updated on social media. Um, And yes, in the meantime, maybe you want to revisit some of the old episodes. Hey, there's lots of useful stuff in there. Amazing. It's been really good fun. Thank you for listening. Thank you. So all that remains to say is thank you to Stefan Kartenberg for our free title music, Stop the Drop.